much for being here. We are uh, coming into our final installment of You Asked For It. How many of you have been enjoying this series so far? It's been good. We're not talking about stress. We've talked about forgiveness. Last week we talked about hearing God, and today we're talking about parenting. So real quick, let's find out. Let's just do a little quick poll of the audience. How many of you have, a, have kids uh, five and under, you have, or a child that's five and under? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Just, just wanted to see how many you have a child six to 10, six to 11. Let's go six to 11, six to 11. Okay. How many have 12 to 18? You got the teen, teenage years. Yeah. Okay. How many you have, uh, your kids are grown and out of the house. They're, they're, they're out or maybe they're grown, but they're not out of the house. <laughs> now let me ask you this. How many of you have a kid in every one of those divisions? Anybody in here? May God bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and give you grace. Uh, well, if we're all honest, I think we'd all agree that parenting is hard work. How many of you agree with that one? It is tough. And uh, I don't know about you. I wish that uh, when my oldest son, Josiah, when he came out, I wish there would have been an instruction manual that followed along. And if y'all, and y'all really excited when the, your first child came and then, you, then this realization hits you, I have to bring this thing home. Anybody, anybody come to that realization? Uh, there's times I just walk around. How many know our first child, for those that have more than one, your first child? How many know your first child your test dummy? Uh, they're the ones that get all... How many know you're learning a lot with them? There's times I'll just walk around the house and I see Cy and I'm like, Cy, I'm sorry. I'm just... I'm just sorry. He's like, Dad, what you sorry about? I'm just sorry. I'm just sorry for a lot of things. Um, I had to learn a lot about parenting, a lot about what to do and what not to do with my, with my oldest son. Uh, I have three boys, by the way, if you don't know. Um, I have a 12-year-old, just turned 12 last week um, or two weeks ago. And then I have an 8-year-old and then I have a 6-year-old. And, uh, and so that's not because I love kids. It's because I love my wife. And so... Can I get an amen on that one? All the guys are like, amen. Uh, Hey, I wanted to share with you, I I had read a couple of things about um, being a parent and the things that no one tells you about becoming a parent. And so I thought as a pastor, it'd be my job for those in here that don't have kids yet and you want to have kids um, or you desire to have kids at one point. I want to give you an insight into some things about parenting that, that maybe is not taught to you by your parents, but I want to let you know. And some of this you just got to realize on your own. Um, the first one is that leaving the house is like an act of Congress. Um, when you are a parent, tell me you know, it, if you have younger kids, it is literally an act of Congress. Where are your shoes? Oh, I need shoes? Yes, shoes. And they come back with one. Where's the other one? I have no clue. And you go on the, the random search for that. Uh, it can be a bit crazy. Let me give you another little tip. The back seat of your car will look like a food bomb went off <laughs> constantly. I mean, I've just subscribed to the fact that my, 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 my wife's van will never be clean. It just will never be. And you, and you walk in there and you, you open the door and you just shut it back. It's like, I'm not even looking at it. I'm not even looking at it. Um, here's the next one. A uh, bedtime is like a hostage negotiation in reverse. They're like, they're like holding you hostage. You know, you're like, I'll do whatever. Just whatever. Just go to bed. I don't care. And last but not least is your Netflix account will eventually only suggest kid shows. Um, and you will watch them. <laughs> Some things that uh, it takes. Hey, if you got your Bibles, turn to Psalms 127. We're going to be in two really big uh, passages today for the majority of our time. Psalms 127 and then we're going to be in Deuteronomy 6. 
And uh, let me just say this on the on the front end of this message. Um, I am by no means an expert in the in the area of parenting. Um, my kids are still young. I know a lot of you have kids that are way older than mine. A lot of y'all have kids that are my age. Um, and so I am by no means going to stand up here as an expert in this area of parenting, or nor do I assume that I am an expert in the area of parenting. Um, but I'm just going to go to the Word of God and let the Word of God parent us today. Is that okay? Because I don't know about y'all, I'm still needing a lot of what I'm going to preach today. And, um, and, and there is no guaranteed formula. Let me just tell you that. A lot of us come uh, with the idea of, let me just learn like four things, and then my kids will always be good and always be godly. And uh, for anybody that's parented longer than a year knows that's not the truth. Um, there is no patented formula. Um, I do believe God gives us principles that we can apply to our parenting, but there is no straight do A and B and you will get C. It just doesn't happen like that when it comes to parenting. And, uh, and so I want to I try to help you as much as I can and, and also know that many of you have a lot of wisdom when it comes to this area. So I encourage you to share your wisdom when it comes to parenting with, with young parents. It, it is, it's what this church needs more than anything. If they can learn from your mistakes or learn from your wisdom, that's the greatest thing that you can do. Also, the other big idea with parenting is um, we could honestly spend 16 weeks on this. Um, parenting. So I have one message to tell you how to train your children in the ways of the Lord. One, I have 30 minutes to give you everything. It's just not going to happen. And so there's going to be so much that I'm not going to share today. I'll, I'll be honest with you. This was probably one of my hardest messages to prepare for. And here's why, because I had so much written down. There was just so many things um, that I wanted to share from discipline to, but some of you have toddlers, some of you have older kids, some of you have, your kids seem to be respectful, some of your kids are very disrespectful, some of your kids are, are in a broken, you're in, you're in kind of a, um, a, a blended family, and so you got that dynamic, and there's just so many different equations that happen. And so, uh, I, so I want you just to, first off, give me grace as we go through this, but also I want you to realize the biggest thing that I want you to walk away with today is the big picture of parenting, okay? So we're not going to look at the street level. We're going to rise about 30,000 feet, and we're going to, how many of you have ever done that? Like on Google Maps, you like look at your house, and then you rise up, and you look at like the state, and then you look at the world. Okay, so that's my plan today, is to kind of rise up and give you this big, huge altitude look at what parenting is. Why are we parents in the first place? And what is our purpose? Those are kind of the two big questions I want to answer. So Psalms 127 is going to give us a beginning starting point of this. So it says this in Psalms 127 verse 3. If you're a kid in here, you might want to really read this one out loud. You can actually look at your parents as we're reading this. Children are a gift from the Lord and they are a reward from him. Now look at verse 5. How, what? Joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now, I am not going to get on the debate of when is a quiver full, by the way. Um, that's for another time. But I want you to see this aspect. It says the children are a gift. They're a reward. And how joyful is a man who has them or a woman who has them. So I want you to write this down. If you got some notes with you, uh, take some notes along with us. I'm going to give you the first thing here. And I want to give you some perspective when it comes to parenting. So here's the first thing. The perspective is that children are a blessing, not a burden. Children are a blessing, not a burden. We have to begin here before we go to anything else in parenting. We have to get our perspective right when it comes to parenting. And that is that the children that you have are a blessing, 
They're not a burden. Now, here's the, the thing, though. Parenting can feel a lot like a burden, right? It can feel a lot like a burden. I mean, I, I, I laugh sometimes at, like, single people or with, parent, or with couples that don't have parents because you have no clue. I mean, like, you're like, hey, you want to go to the movies? Yeah, let's go. And you go. Like, we don't do that if you have kids. How many of you know that's, that's, yet again, an act of Congress like that? Like, you go wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go. It's just, it's the freedom that you have. But when you're a parent, it's a totally different, totally different ball game. I mean, there, there's so many burdens that come along with it, but it's also one of the greatest blessings. Meals, you know, if you don't have kids, your meals are quiet and amazing. I had a guy come over to our house like three years ago, and he came and he sat down with dinner at our, at our house, and it was, just, it was just a normal dinner time. And he looked over at Lindsay and I, and he's like, is it always this loud? I'm like, this isn't even loud. This is like normal conversation. But he didn't have kids. Now he has kids, and now he knows why. And so, but how many know Milton can be a little crazy? Can be a little crazy. Um, throwing stuff. I mean, just stuff going all over the place. It can be a little crazy. Bedtime can be a little crazy. I don't know how many cups of water you need at night. So that I, at three in the morning, I get to change your PP sheets, uh, man. Yet again, like I said, it can be hostage negotiation, bath time. Come on, how many know you don't even take a shower anymore? You just you trying to do bath times. People are always running around naked, at least in our house, and it's not Lindsay and I. I can tell you that um, we don't even have time to do that. I mean, that's they're they're the ones. I mean, it's where's your clothes? Like, put your clothes on. I mean, what's going on here? I mean, it's just craziness that goes on all around your house. It's amazing how kids can be a blessing, but they can also be a burden. I took my boys to LSU uh, game. I, I shared that a, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and so uh, it's a totally different ball game when you go because you're going to enjoy it. And then when you go to bring kids, how I many you know when you go to bring kids, it's all about the kids. So, I mean, we're in the seats, not even five minutes. I mean, we're like five minutes into the game. It's like, Dad, I'm hungry. Mike, we're just, just, we just got up to these seats. Like we climbed all the stairs to get up. Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I just want you to know I'm hungry. I heard you the third time. Dad, okay, so we go, we get, we get our food, we come back, and we, we start eating. They eat their food. And of course, I have boys. So one hot dog is not enough. So the next question is, Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm hungry. And we go back, we do it all over again. <clears throat> then you finally, after you get them all filled and fed, then it's, Dad, I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> Seriously? So we go, we, I bring them to the bathroom. And so, and so we're going to the bathroom. And if you've ever been to the LSU, well, most of you women have never been into the men's bathroom at the LSU stadium. They have, they have like pee troughs. Y'all know what that, y'all don't even know what that is. Okay, it's, it's, it's a trough. Okay, it's not individual urinals. It's a bit nasty, by the way. And Joel goes up to it to wash his hands. <laughs> This is no lie. I was, I was inches away from grabbing him. What are you doing? Dad, I thought we washed our hands in here. No, don't you touch anything, any of this. Now, you know, your kids want to go to the bathroom in the worst places ever. Dad, I got to boo. Seriously? How many know you go into the stall and you sanitize everything, paper everywhere, all over the place. Don't touch anything. Don't touch nothing. I mean, that's how it is. I hate going to the bathroom in public places. And my kids always seem to need to go to the bathroom in public places. Any parents in here like that? Oh, my goodness. It's craziness. It's craziness. But this scripture says that children are a gift, that they're a reward. 
How joyful is the man who has them? We've got to begin with this perspective of that children are not a burden. They are a blessing. And it has a lot to do with how you view them, how you speak of them, how you talk of them, how you interact with them. Do you interact with them as if they are a burden to you or as a blessing? I don't know about y'all, but I know my boys, the thing that I always get all the time, no matter where we are, whether we're outside or they're playing sports or we're swimming or doing something, I don't know how many of y'all get this. Dad, watch me. Dad, look at me. Dad, watch me. Dad, watch. Dad, watch. I'm watching. Watch, watch, watch. What are we doing? Just watch. Like there's this thing in their kids that they just want to be approved. They want to, they want their their mom, their dad to be proud of them. They want this affirmation. And so here's a question when they ask that, Hey dad, come play with me. Hey dad, come do this. Here's the question. Are they a burden to me? I got better things to do. Or are they a blessing that we engage in it? A lot of us are too busy with our own things that our kids are longing for that, but we're not even giving them that. I don't know if you've ever been to Walmart or the devil's playground, whichever one you want to call it. But I don't know if you've ever, I don't, if you, we don't even bring our kids to Walmart. We, at least we didn't when we were younger because that's just bad. And if you've ever been there where other people have their kids there and you hear moms, how they speak to their kids or people, how they berate their kids. I've been in public where I've seen people just berate their kids. Um, that's my little hellion. I can tell you exactly why he's a hellion because that's what you called him. He's just living up to your words. Because whatever we're speaking over them, whatever, however they, they view that we value them, they rise or go to the level in which they think we value them. So if we don't value them, them, if we don't value them that much, then they act that way. But if you place a high value on your kids, how many know they have something to rise to? So it begins with the perspective of, hey, listen, your children are a blessing. Now, there's days where it's weighty and there's days where there's a burden that they still seem burdensome. But they are a blessing from God to you. God's given you that incredible opportunity to value them with your time, with your touch, with your talk. Here's the second one, and this is the purpose. This is a big one. The purpose of parenting is to let go, not hang on. The purpose is to let go, not to hang on. Now, yet again, this is big picture, okay? So some of you that are like in diaper areas or you're in toddler I want you to think with the end in mind here more than anything. The purpose of parenting, the whole reason God gave you kids was not so that you would hold on to them, but that you would let them go. Let me show you. So Psalms 127 says this. Children born to a young man are like what? Arrows in a warrior's hands. Solomon gives this imagery that kids are like arrows. I love it because he gives some imagery, something that we can kind of look at and talk about. He says imagery of these arrows. Kids are like arrows. Now, what are arrows designed to do? Arrows are designed to be shot. They're designed to fly, right? It's the whole purpose of why God has given us arrows. So actually, I, I, I brought some. <laughs> no, no message without a couple props. So the, the whole purpose, now I was going to bring a real one, but then I thought that might get me in some legal trouble. And so, so I brought my son's bow and arrow set. And so the Bible describes kids as an arrow. And these arrows are cool and fun, but they're only fun when they're flying in the air. 
they're, they're no fun just sitting on the ground. They're no fun just even just sticking in a quiver. The whole purpose of an arrow was to be shot and to fly. So let's let it fly. Watch out, Denny. of your kids is to let them fly. Now, let's see. Who am I most mad at in here? Um, <laughs> the purpose is to let it fly. And parents who want to hang on to their kids and not let them go don't realize the whole purpose of parenting in the first place. Is that ultimately that there would be a target that we would shoot at and the whole goal is to get them at that target. That's the whole goal of what we do is to get them hitting that target. I want you to think of... Um, Think of your home like the Houston Space Center. The whole job of Houston Space Center is to prepare to get ready to launch a space shuttle into space, okay? But most people don't treat their homes like the Houston Space Center. They treat their homes like Angola State Penitentiary. <laughs> their whole job is to want to keep their kids... Now, I know, listen, I know there's times where you need to instill, you know, security features and you need to have a bedtime lockdown and you need to have rules and regulations of things. And when your kids are younger, there's those things that happen. And sometimes you even need solitary confinement. Um, (laughs) But the whole purpose of your arrow is that they would fly, not that you would hang on to them. Let me show you another verse, Proverbs chapter 22. Most of us know this. Train up a child in the way he should. He should not stay. But train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Our job is to get them ready to go. And as a parent, you are called to be a steward, not an owner. What do I mean by that? Your kids are not yours. Your kids are not yours. Your kids are the Lord's. We go through a bunch of scriptures, but the, the beginning of this says that children are a gift from, from the Lord. And the truth is they're a gift from him because they're his. They're not ours. They're his to begin with. And many parents are, you, you are like Gollum on Lord of the Rings. My precious. <laughs> this is my child. My baby. My this. My that. My this. They want to hold on to it. The children are not designed to be held on to. They're designed to be let go. The whole primary purpose of why you're going to have them for 18 years is to let them go. Not to hold on to them. It's the whole reason why we do it. Samson, when he was born, or right actually before he was born, God spoke to his mother and father and told him, Hey, you're going to have a son. He's going to be Samson. This is what he's going to, <clears throat> who he is. And, and Samson's dad did one of the most amazing things. He went to the Lord and said, If I'm going to have a son, you need to tell me some stuff. And so this is what Samson's dad asked God. His name's Manoah. Now look at what Manoah said. Samson's dad asked God this. And Manoah said, Now when your word comes true, if I am going to have a son and it comes true, what is it to be the child's manner of life? And what is his mission? Manoah said, listen, God, if you're going to give me kids, I want to know what are they called to do? Because the whole purpose of me having this kid is I need to make sure that I train him for whatever you've called him to do. I need to make sure that I am like Houston Space Center and, and preparing him for launch. Because the whole purpose is not for me to hold on to this child, even though I love him and I want to keep him safe. But my ultimate purpose is to let him go, to let him, let him fly. 
Reggie Joyner <clears throat> said this. I want you to see this. I put it on the screen. We're fine if our children never climb a mountain as long as it guarantees they never get hurt. But what if your children are made for the mountains? The ultimate mission of the family is not to protect your children from all harm, but to mobilize them for the mission of God. It is possible to hold on to your kids so tightly that we forget the ultimate goal of parenting is to what? Let go. We lived in a safety-obsessed culture. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, there's places for safety. I mean, my kids wear bike helmets, all those kind of things. Our kids are in car seats. By the way, that will make you lose your religion if you ever try to take one out. Anybody ever tried to take out a car seat? But we live in the safety culture, the safety-obsessed culture, where we're trying to keep everybody comfortable and everybody safe. But can I tell you this? The life of an arrow is not safe. It's meant to be flown. It's meant to go into some of the dangerous areas. And this passage here, what Reggie is saying is that parents so quickly forget that we're not, ultimately, our goal is not to hold on, but our goal is to let go. Many of our future missionaries, I believe, are in OSC Kids right now. Many of the people that are going to turn this world upside down are being taught the word of God right now in the back. As parents, I think sometimes we can measure the success of our kids with the wrong measuring stick. So we think that successful parenting is that my kids get good grades, my kids get into a good college, my kids stay away from bad stuff, my kids have good friends, my kids... And all those are are good in a sense, but they, they come up short. Because the measuring stick of success for God is not that you have good kids. The measuring success of God is that your kids fulfill the mission of God that he had for their life. That is success for God. That God desires for us that our kids would understand to love God more than anything. It doesn't matter what our kids know if they don't know what really matters. So with that being said, let's talk about the priority. The priority of parenting then, so if the, if the purpose is to let go and to not hold on, and children are a gift, they're a reward, and they're a blessing from the Lord, then what's our priority though when it comes to parenting? Our priority then is to lead by example, not by exception. As parents, we get to lead by the example, not by exception. We're not the exception. Let me show you now. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6 says this. So this is what Moses says. Moses tells the children of Israel, listen, here's here's something you need to know. And he says in verse 5, and you, now he's talking to all the parents. He's actually talking to all of the children of Israel. But I want you to hear this in the context of parenting. And then if you're not a parent here, I want you just to hear this in context of you yourself. Because if you're not a parent, you can kind of check out of this message and go, this really doesn't relate to me. But it really does. And I'm going to show you in just a minute how it even relates more. Deuteronomy 6, 5. And you, I want you to look how many times this you or your is in this scripture. You must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Now watch this. Now once you do that and you take it personal and you apply it to your own heart and your own life, now repeat them again and again to your children. How many feel like as parenting that's all you do all the time? I feel like I keep saying the same thing over and over again. That's biblical, by the way. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you go to bed and when you get up. Now listen, the world tells parents that they should center their lives around their kids. 
But the Bible tells parents you should center your life around Jesus. The world will tell you your kids need to be the center, but God will tell you that Jesus needs to be the center. And let me tell you how your priorities should be. Your priorities should be, number one, God, my faith, my relationship with the Lord. That needs to be vibrant. Number two is my relationship with my spouse. If you're married, that needs to be vibrant and good. And then number three is your kids. But oftentimes it gets mixed around. So we go kids, work, spouse, God, or you put whatever order that is for you, but we all got different orders that we have priorities in our life. And God's saying this, no, no, no. Before you can be the parent and parent your kids the way that I need you to parent them, I need you to allow me to parent you. You need to get into yourself. You need to teach yourself. You need to allow God to do what he needs to do inside of you. We just came back from Colorado yesterday and we got on the plane and we're sitting down in the plane, and over the loudspeaker it says, they do all the little run-throughs, you know, here's your exits and all this stuff. And one of the big things that they say is, in case of an emergency, and in case the cabin pressure goes low, mask will drop down, and then they will say something like this. If a child is sitting next to you, please make sure you secure your mask on first, and then assist your child. That's what they say, right? Now, here's the normal tendency for us, right? We're with children is, oh my God, we're freaking out. And the first thing is mass drops and you want to take care of kids, right? That's the first thing you want to do. Man, let me take care of my kids. But they know this. If you take care, try to take care of your kids and you pass out, you're not any good to anybody. So you want to make sure that you put on the mask first and then assist the child. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. This is a great way to put it. He says, train up your child in the way that you go, but make sure that you go that way yourself. <laughs> make sure that you go that way yourself. You can train your children, but you can really only train what you are. You can't train what you want. You reproduce who you are. You don't reproduce what you want. Okay. That's, that, that's so huge for us. When children are young, they do as you tell them. When they're old, they do as you do. When your children are young, they do as you tell them. Do this. Don't do this. Stop that. Quit that. Do this. Do that. Do that. They have to obey you because they're younger. But when they get old, they do as you do. They do as you do, which means how I pursue God, how I treat my wife, how I work, how I spend money, how I communicate. All of that affects my children. They watch all that. They watch the values that are in my life. My boys have a front row seat to my life. Hey, listen, I leave here and I go home and my boys are not impressed with me. You know, they're not. So I, I go home and, man, that was an awesome message. They're like, it was okay, Dad. It was all right. <laughs> they just, they're not impressed with me. I mean, they're with me every single day. But they know that I get to model in front of them what I desire. I don't just teach them the Word of God. I show them the Word of God by, by how I love their, their mom, by how I love people, by how I serve, how I talk. All of these things are something. My boys need to see the gospel lived out. My boys need to see that faith matters in every decision that I make. Here's a big one. If you want to write this down, this is a really good one to write down. Your children's view of God is influenced by their view of you. Your children's view of God is influenced by their view of you. I can't tell you how many people I have counseled that are in their 20s, 30s, and even 40s that have an issue with God. And when you get down to the core of it, it's because they had an issue with their own dad or an issue with their own mom. 
Because oftentimes the way we view our heavenly father is directly associated with the relationship we had with our earthly father. So if we have an earthly father that abandoned us, we immediately assume that we're going to have a heavenly father that abandons us. And so your children's view of God is very directly connected to their view of you. Come on, how many know that is a weight? That is a responsibility in and of itself. But I love what Joshua says in Joshua 24, 15. And this is a declaration that you and I have to make. And that is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me, I will serve the Lord and my house will serve the Lord. I am going to make a declaration today that the priority of our house is that God's house is our priority. Serving the Lord is our priority. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, a lot of houses say this. As for me and my house, we will play sports. Or as for me and my house, we will achieve a 4.0 and go to the best college. As for me and my house, we will all behave right. And listen, none of those are bad. Sports are not bad. My kids play them. Having good grades, nothing wrong with that. And going to a good college, I, I pray what my kids are. But it's not what matters most. Listen to me. It's not what matters most. What matters most is that for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will seek first the kingdom of God more than anything else. We'll seek God first more than we seek books. We'll seek God first more than sports. We will make sure that God is God in our house because you can only have a solar system that revolves around one sun. And Jesus better be the center of that sun. Y'all with me here? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Which practically speaking... One of the greatest gifts that I can give my boys and the greatest gifts that you can give your children is to have an amazing marriage. Now, I know saying that there are a lot of single moms, even some single dads that are in here. And let me just say this. I applaud you for all that you do. You are amazing because you are doing what God intended for two people to do. And I believe that God is a father to the fatherless, by the way. And I believe that he can come and help. And I believe that's the importance of having spiritual family as well, to have your kids in a place where they can get uh, that from multiple people and multiple anchors. But if you are married in here, the best thing you can give your kids is to have a great marriage. It's the greatest thing you can give your kids. It's the greatest thing you can give your kids. When I get home from a, a day at work, and I walk in the very first thing, and you can ask my boys, the very first thing when I walk into my house is I sit down, usually usually Lindsay's cooking dinner most of the time, and I sit down at the k- kitchen table, and for the first 10, 15 minutes, Lindsay and I just talk. And my, the boys will come in, Mom, I need, I just, oh. Mom and Dad right now. And they know. They'll, they'll walk right back out. I mean, it's taking some time to train, but the very first part of my day when I get home, I kiss my boys when I walk in and do all that. And then they go run off and play. And I give Lindsay that downtime because how many know she's been talking to three boys and it's been very short conversations. She needs an adult conversation to have. So I try to engage that. Date nights are important to me. If you haven't been on a date with your wife in a long time and your excuse is because of kids, like, oh, my kids are going to cry. I've never heard of a kid dying from crying. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Never. Well, we don't have money. Listen, romance doesn't have to be expensive. Go to the park. (laughs) Date your wife. It's the greatest thing your kids need to see. For men in here, your kids need to see that your, your wife is their greatest priority, not them. 
Okay, so if that didn't make you as awkward and not like me, let me give you another one. Here's the greatest way how you know your kids are a greater priority than your spouse. Do they sleep in your bed? Yeah. Listen, cuddle them, pray over them, and then send them back to their room. And every husband in here said, I just gave every husband in here something. Listen, your kids don't need to be the center. Your marriage needs to be. There should be things happening in your bed that your kids would be like, oh my God. They don't need to be around that. You need to guard that place. I'm telling you, you may disagree with me wholeheartedly, but I'm going to tell you right now, that's the greatest decision that Lindsay and I made. Now, if my kids are sick, there's, there's, there's situations where they come in and pop in, different things that happen. But for the most part, my boys sleep in their room because that's my bed with my wife. And I'm going to tell you, I've counseled more families that husbands are mad at their wives because the kid is right there in the middle of them. Get them out. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Here's the problem. Let's talk about the problem. The problem is fighting for the heart, not for behavior. The problem is fighting for the heart. We got to hurry. Not for the behavior. How many know you don't have to teach your kids to disobey? Y'all didn't have a training on that, right? How to lie, how to kick, how to steal, how to hoard. My, 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 my. You didn't train that, did you? Did you train that? Did you have a teaching in that? Hey, this is how you hoard stuff. You didn't teach that. You know why? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? For those in here, listen, we did the Facebook post and asked parents, what was the greatest challenge? About 85% of you said patience. Patience. I have, I, have, I have a hard time with patience with my kids. I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. But I'm going to tell you the biggest issue that you have with your kids, the reason why the behavior is the way that it is, is because it's a byproduct of something that's wrong in the heart. Behavior is a byproduct of the heart. And oftentimes we deal with the fruit and we don't deal with the root. The root is the issue. There is a heart issue that is there. And we need to remind our children that God works from the inside out. He always works from the inside out. Good behavior isn't what God called for. God called that we would love God and we'd love people. And out of loving God and loving people, you will probably get good behavior. But if you strive for good behavior, you could settle for good behavior that's masked but has a bad heart. Most parents are better skilled at fighting to win the argument than they are at fighting to win the heart. And it's vital that you believe and admit that you have no power whatsoever to change your child. I want you to listen in very closely on this. Parenting reveals a lot of our fears and insecurities because we realize how many things we can't control. And when it comes to parenting, you have no ability to change your child. I know you think you do, but you don't. You can't change the heart. If you could change the heart, we wouldn't need Jesus. Think about it. If you could change your own heart, you wouldn't need Jesus. If you could change your, parent, your kids' hearts, you wouldn't need Jesus. The whole fact that you can't do it is the reason why we need Jesus. But, but we try really hard, don't we? We try really hard to change our kids. Let me show you the three ways we try really, really hard to change our kids. We try to do behavior more than going after the heart. And the first one is fear. So we, we say things like, if you don't stop that, you're going to regret it. Just wait until your father gets home and you're going to really be in big trouble. 
Or this one that my dad said all the time, and I've even caught myself saying that is, you better stop crying or I'm going to give you something to cry about. Anybody in here? Okay, don't even, you don't, you don't have to raise your hand. But here's what I've learned. What we do is we use fear to get our kids to obey what we want them to do. We're using fear. If What we're saying is you better not do that because you're going to get beat. You're going to get, I mean, you're not going to be able to sit down. You're going you're gonna to get pain. You're, that's what we're telling them. You're going to get all this if you do this. And so what we're doing is we're using fear as a motivation for obedience. But here's the thing. At, what, at some point in their life, listen to me very closely. At some point in their life, your kids will no longer be afraid of you. And when they're no longer afraid of you, they'll no longer obey you. That's why you could do that when they're young. But as they get older, they're your size now and they don't fear you anymore. So they don't obey you anymore. Because for your whole life, you used control of fear to get them to do what you wanted them to do. And now you can't use that anymore. It's true. We use fear to stimulate external change. When really there needs to be internal change. Here's the second one. Reward. Reward. We manipulate them to do what we want them to do by holding rewards from them. Hey, if you do this, then you'll get this. If you don't do this, you won't do this. Now, I believe that there's consequences, of course, with things. I believe that there's okay to reward good behavior. I have no problem with those things. It's, but it's when we use the reward over their head to try to change their behavior. So we say, hey, if you do this for, for a month, then I'll give you this. Well, you realize that they'll do that for a month to get that. But once they get that, they go right back to the thing that you were trying to get them to change. So reward is another one. And last one, three. And this is a big one, and I own this one a lot, is shame. So we say things like, I can't believe that you would even do such a thing. Or after all I've done for you, this is the way you're going to treat me. Or sometimes I wonder where in the world you came from. Every child has been born that wants to be loved. And so for us, guilt and shame is a temporary way of having control But I want you to think about this. And this is where God so convicted me. When God disciplines you, how does he do it? Does he shame you? Does he use fear? You better do this or you will get cancer. Does he do that? No. Does he withhold reward? Does he say, as long as you don't do this, you won't get this. How many know God's forgiven you and blessed you when you least deserved it? He uses none of these tactics. Could God control you? Yes, he could. But he doesn't because he wants something greater than control. God could say, you obey me, you worship me, you lift your hands, you say amen. He could do that. He could control robots. He could make that happen. But God was going for something so much deeper. He didn't want control of his kids. He wanted their hearts. He wants your heart, by the way. It's what God goes after. And so when God disciplines you, which, by the way, God doesn't punish you because God punished Jesus. And Jesus took all the punishment. He doesn't punish you anymore. All that's on Jesus. And you shouldn't punish your kids either. Now, you should discipline your kids. Show them right and wrong. Correct them. Maybe even spank. But ultimately, we do all that to lead to life. We don't hold it over our kids. We don't use shame. We don't use fear. We don't use reward to get the behavior of what we, what, what we want. And so, let me put it this way. Loving parents warn their kids of danger outside of them. 
So like you go to public places, usually before you go into, you tell your kids, okay, y'all listen, we're going to stick close. Everybody stay by. Everybody watch out for this. Hey, there's fast cars moving over here. Hey, look out at this. And we warn all of our kids of all of the danger around them. But what we fail to do often in parenting is we don't warn them of the danger in them. You know why your kids buck you? Sin. It's selfishness. Do you know why you have a hard time with patience? Sin. Because you're selfish. Because I'm selfish. At night when my kids won't go to bed, you know why I get so frustrated with them? It's because I want to lay down. I want to do what I want to do. I want to watch my show or I want to go do what I want to do. And they are inconveniencing me with what I want to do. And I get frustrated. You know why? Because I'm selfish. And so are they. And God exposed. Here's the thing. In parenting, God exposes their selfishness and yours at the same time. There is nothing that has revealed to me the grace of God more than parenting. I've learned more about the grace of God and my need for the grace of God in parenting and in marriage. Those are the two things. And so for us, we have to come to terms with you cannot produce divine change by human effort. Listen, some of you are so frustrated right now in your parenting. You know why? Because you think you can change them. Give it up. You can't. You can't change them. This is why some of you feel so burnt out when it comes to parenting. Or you feel so hopeless when it comes to parenting. You can't solve your problem by trying harder. We need a new heart. As parents, we need a new heart. We need God's heart. Our kids need God's heart. Which, which leads me to the very last thing. And we're going to close all this up. And that is, the greatest gift God gives parents is himself. Amen. The greatest gift God gives parents is himself. Let me show you. Psalms 127, 1 and 2. So let's go back to Psalms 127. We talked about children are a gift. Well, if you just go up two verses before it, look how it starts this chapter. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the, workers of the, the, the work of the builders is wasted. And unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late night. Sounds like a mom to me. Anxiously working for food to eat. Now watch this. For God gives what? Rest to his loved ones. Come on. How many say, give me some of that. God gives rest to his loved one. One area that changes when you become a parent, by the way, is you lose sleep. And can I say this? For every parent in here, God knows how hard it is. God knows you have no clue what you're doing. <laughs> God knows there are moments when you wish you could just quit and walk away. God knows that your children can get under your skin. God knows you're frustrated. God knows all this stuff. And here's the beauty of all of this. God never calls you to do something that he doesn't give you the things to do it. God would never call you to be a parent and then not give you everything that you need to be that parent. He gave, he's given everything to you to do what God has called you to do. 
And he's with you, by the way. And here's the beauty of all this in parenting. God is not only with you, God is in you. He lives on the inside of you. So God is in you when you have to break up that 17th fight in the morning. God is with you when your children are in your face disrespectful. God is with you when you fall into bed exhausted and often even regretful. He gifts you with his presence. And he really does live inside of you. You have God in every moment of your day. Here's the question. If you want to raise godly kids, do you need God? Yeah. Of course you do. So the greatest thing I can point you to is access them. Ask them. I can't sit here and just give you a bunch of formulas. What I can do is the greatest thing God will give you is he'll give give you himself. So at the end of the day, when you're exhausted, you know what the greatest gift God gives you? Him. You don't, go to, you don't run to beer. You don't run to wine. You don't run to a bath. You run to Jesus. Maybe in the bath. Maybe. <laughs> but your answer is not found outside of you. It's the God that's in you. Parenting's difficult. But it's also a blessing. And it's a joy. And the whole job of parenting is to let him go. But we realize that in order for us to let them go well, we need to make sure that we deal with the areas of their heart. And we don't warn them about everything that's going on, on the outside and forget to warn them on the stuff that's on the inside. That's why you see all these kids go off to college and they go crazy. You know why? Because for so many years, their parents had control teaching them how to be good behavior, but never fixed the heart. So we want to make sure that in the years that they're with us, that we would be stewards of our kids go after their heart, and eventually ask God to change them because we can't change them anyways. So the pressure's off. Amen? Would you bow your heads right here? I want to pray for all of you that are parents today. And actually, if that's you, would you just stand? If you are a parent in this place, I want to pray over you. doesn't matter if your kids are grown or not. I, I still want to pray over you. If you are, we're going to get you out of here. Father, right now, Lord, would you just lift your hands just right there where you are? God, I thank you, Lord, for every parent that's in this place. God, you know what they're walking through. God, maybe some of them right now, it's maybe the most difficult season of their life. Maybe for them, it's the most joyful. But either way, God, I believe you're in it. You're in the middle of this. And God, I pray right now, Lord, for wisdom, grace. God, the greatest parents who extend grace are the parents who also realize they need it the most themselves. And so, God, we recognize today our own shortcomings, our own failures, our own sin, our own brokenness. Today, God, we, we, we look back maybe even at things this week, maybe even things that we said, and there's some regret there. God, I believe right now, Lord, that, that you forgive, you heal, you empower Thank you for your grace. Jesus, thank you that you've given us yourself. You are the greatest gift that we have when it comes to parenting. So we look to you today. We invite you into our hearts. We invite you into lives. We invite you into our marriages, our family, our kids. Lord, have your way with us. God, today we acknowledge, Lord, that you are Lord of our lives. And we love you today. I pray this blessing on every parent in this place. God, give them rest. That at night, they would have rest, knowing 
that you're working even when they're sleeping. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said,